Buddhist Geeks Discover the Emerging Face of Buddhism. Episode 271 Contemplative Design Less is More. In this episode, we conclude our talk with designer Mikhail Harboon by discussing the idea of contemplative design and the real changes it can support in the products and objects we use on a daily basis. This is part two of a two-part series. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or monthly recurring donation by visiting BuddhistGeeks.com forward slash donate. So I'm curious, you know, you mentioned before this notion of anti-time, which is sort of sounds related to this Buddhist concept of just being or just being mindful, like a kind of mindful awareness where there's not a particular goal in mind, but rather there's just an attempt to notice what's happening in the mind right now. Yeah. I'm curious uh, on a personal level, how do you work with anti-time? Are there things that you do? Um, in terms of techniques or to, in terms of just being that, that you bring into your own personal um, kind of routine or practice? I, I try as, as, <laughs> as hard as possible. Again, it's, it's, it's really like, it is like a practice. It's something you have to do on purpose. Like it's not something you can do while doing something else. You have to be totally dedicated to it um, to really do it at 100%. Um, but what I try to ad- adopt in my everyday work um, is, 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 the, is, is the idea of being contemplative um, in general uh, and, and, and trying to adopt that, that big picture of, of things. Um, I think that as a designer, whatever you do, whether it's a, a chair, a phone, or a banking service, you, you always consciously or unconsciously communicate a value or principle in the design you do um, by deciding on the rules of how a system uh, works like the, the designer shapes the user's experience with the product and so generates, generates a specific mindset in which the user gets and, and that mindset is what the user will remember of the object. So the thing is that now in the last decade or two with the development of, of the technology we know today, the possibilities as to what to allow and what to enable for the user has become endless. Like, it becomes very easy to lose sight as to what really matters for the user and how to create something that makes sense and isn't just an accumulation of dozens of features. And so as a designer, you might actually want to add tons of features and extras to your product in the same way that as a person, you, are, you might want a, a 60-inch TV and a nice car. And I think that we all know by now that this is not what makes us happy in life. Um, what has more chances to make us feel fulfilled is when we are able to align our inner values with what we do. And it's exactly the same for a product. If you define what the real values of a product are and only focus on how to make them align with the user's needs, um, that's when you create something meaningful. And, and that's where I think that adopting, ad- adopting a contemplative approach can become a great tool uh, as it allows us to step back and see uh, the, the whole forest rather than just a single tree. And it can help in spotting and capturing these core values and principles of things. It, it almost acts as a filter which cancels um, all the unnecessary noise and, and reveals the purity of, of things. Um, when you look at how technology is shaping new forms of interaction and how they influence us in our everyday behaviors, I think that 
that philosophy becomes the anchor, um, contemplation becomes the anchor to which it is really crucial to, to remain connected. Um, with all that can be done today, it's very easy to design products and services which just replace what we do best as humans by almost over-assisting us. As a designer, I keep asking myself if a design is ethical in that it encourages the user's skills and abilities instead of ignoring them and assuming the user doesn't know. Um, so technology should really encourage our human nature and not be a barrier for what we are great at. Um, one of the other great things um, cont a contemplative approach uh, can, can bring um, is, is uh, the idea of always putting things into question and not take anything for granted. Uh, by breaking apart the rules of how current things work and looking at them with a fresh pair of eyes, um, great things can happen. Um, what, what a philosopher basically tries to do is, is making sense of things. So all sorts of fundamental questions are also of great value in the design process as they help us frame and create that underlying set of, of rules and behaviors which hopefully resonates and makes sense for the user. But at the end, I mean, with all that being said, I think that nothing uh, replaces a pen and a sheet of paper and, and just start sketching. Uh, nothing ever replaces the power of making stuff. So I think that having a, a theoretical um, approach and having a contemplative approach is, is great. But if you don't start making stuff, it, it, it never takes shape at all. So I think it's really like a hand-in-hand -hand approach where one has to feed the other and, and, and back and forth has to be constant in a way, like uh, contemplating, doing, contemplating, doing. Otherwise, uh, if you just do one, uh, basically you, you, you end up in a, in a you, you end up nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really well put. And there's, there's a, a many, you know, wisdom traditions, not just the Buddhist tradition that talk about, like, for instance, the Christian tradition, they talk about contemplation in action. Hmm. Um, that's one of the kind of key phrases that came out of the, the contemplative Christians, um, and you know, in the in the Buddhist world, it's sort of like the the bodhisattva ideal. It's like not just waking up, but then also actually bringing that awakening into the world and and supporting other people in their own processes of of maturing and awakening. Um, so it sounds like you're you're describing your own process mostly in terms of this practice of like we could call it maybe contemplative design. That mm -hmm. that a lot of your contemplative and anti time is spent in the in the actual design process. It sounds like. Yeah, I'd say that. What, what, what I personally try to adopt is really um, an approach where um, we, we, we get rid of, of what is not essential because um, it, it's very easy to, to actually just um, see what, what actually will actually um, more parasite uh, a, a user's experience rather than, than making it feel pure and unique. So it's really like a quest. Of, of reaching a, a sort of purity in, in the design we do and, and by getting rid of all the superficial uh, parameters. And I think that uh, adopting a contemplative approach definitely helps in achieving that, whether it's a personal effort or a team effort. Um, I think it's a, it's a general mindset in which it is crucial to enter from time to time. And do you feel like that approach also not just transforms the end product, but does it also transform the designer? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, I think it has. I mean, especially if you <laughs> if if you end up designing a lot in your everyday life, it's it's a, it's a kind of a mindset you get into uh, over time by being uh, always in an approach where you try to see uh, what's underlying rather than what's overlaid, 
trying to grasp uh, things which aren't necessarily easy to spot. Uh, basically, you gain a mindset where where this starts to to emerge in, in in your everyday life by just looking at at everything around you. So totally, it's it's more of a life philosophy than than actually just a work philosophy, I would say. Mm, that's beautiful. And do you, in your own mind, have any way of kind of understanding or explaining, you know, that your many the many of your colleagues who who may not take this kind of approach to design, like you're talking about, you know, the, the million different features product and how that, that seems to be connected to this idea of, you know, like wanting all this stuff. How, how, how do you make sense of that? It's interesting. I think that at IDEO, it's great that we, are, we, we you know, do all in a way agree on that. And it's more actually about trying to uh, convince the client that they don't need all these features. I would always say that People who want to add tons of features are almost on the client side, and ideas uh, mm. to 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 show that um, less is more in a way, and so making the pure things uh, arise rather than than um, saying yes to the dozens of features. It's a very, um, I mean, it's, the problem with features it's very driven by marketing, right? Like, how how can we sell a product where well, we just like uh, add millions of features and. Uh, unfortunately, IDEO is not driven by, by marketing, it's driven by design. And so I think that there is an inherent part of, of contemplation in, 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 into the design. Like we, we don't want to design unnecessary stuff, we want to design things which are meaningful. So in a way, I think that everybody at IDEO kind of um, has this approach of, of trying to reach that, that, that minimum, that, 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 I mean, that, that is strictly necessary and which makes really sense for the user. Beautiful. And I'm curious, just off the top of your head, are there a few... Uh, companies or or products that like if you look around that you really feel like wow the, these products or this company is really driven by this kind of this deep contemplative design philosophy. Hmm, it's interesting. Like a product recommendation is almost what I'm asking for. <laughs> I mean, the last thing I where I was like wow, that's amazing. That's something I was looking for a long time. Was actually more a video game than a product, but I, I consider video games as being product, not as being uh, rudimentary uh, video games. I, I don't like the word video game anymore. I, I would just like to call them experiences. Uh, it's a game called Journey. Uh, maybe you've heard about it, which adopts this very meditative approach uh, in a way where you don't try actually to, to uh, achieve something, but where you basically just like uh, enter a state of flow in a way and you just let yourself go into the environment, into the, the, the general um, architecture of, 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 the, of the surroundings in the game. And there is no real, real there's not a, a point where you have to, you know, like beat somebody or like uh, access uh, a hidden part of something. Or like it's, it's really like um, only about getting into that, that music. Um, and it's, it's, it's really amazing. I, when I played that game, I was like, oh, wow, like this is exactly the direction in which I want to go, like not trying to, to create a, a, a mental state where we give uh, users uh, the idea that they have to achieve something, uh, but more that more letting them actually go with the flow. So I recommend you to, to play that game. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. That's great. I've never heard of it. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to check it out. And I, I love that phrase. You know, I, I'd like to call, you know, not, not call them video games anymore, but just call them experiences. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think that it's time that we change the name. They have too much impact to, 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 to let them still be called like that. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We, we interviewed um, one of our friends, Jane McGonigal, who you probably have heard of, and she's also a, a spiritual practitioner, so she very much sees video games and ex- uh, these video game experiences as having potential to transform people's consciousness uh, in, in using them. So it sounds similar to what you're describing. Totally. I think that uh, video games have the potential to alter our our state of consciousness, the same way that music uh, or cinema or literature does. It's, it's, they are all part of a larger design discipline, which I like to call time design. Like they're all designs which happen in a, in a sequence of time. And so um, you can basically, and, and so the user gets into that flow. And, and it, it's very tricky and dangerous because they, they have the potential of, of making us, you know, feel different, you know. So it, it can be something very delicate to deal with and that's why we have to be careful when, when designing with that almost like what drugs do drugs have the same effect they alter your state of, of consciousness uh, not in a, in a much more extreme way of course but the idea the fundamental idea is, is, is the same so if we can it's like hypnosis hypnosis also has its uh, capacities so I feel that if, if video games can adapt can, can basically like um, alter help us alter our, our, our mindsets in a way which which makes the positive side of things uh, emerge. I think it, it's, it can be really, really valued. I'm really interested in that, and I, I think that the next projects I will be working on will be more focused on that aspect of how, how, con- how a dynamic is consciousness, how, how much can it like, become something uh, interchangeable, and how can, uh, when it is in different states, how can it be influenced in a positive way. Mm, very cool. My last question, and I... I think this goes to the heart of what you've already really been talking to, but it feels like a really relevant question to be asking now. Mm-hmm. And that is, how do you see these future technologies, which really aren't in the future, they're kind of emerging now, um, and their design, which is something you're very involved in. How do you see these technologies and their design playing a role in our own personal and also collective process of let's just call it awakening. You use this really beautiful phrase, you know, uh, we can we can only see what we're be- what we become conscious of. So this process of becoming con- more and more conscious, more and more awake. How do you see technology and design playing a role in that in, in the personal and collective? The term of awakening is really fascinating and super interesting because it's so ambiguous. Like, what, what do we mean by by awakening or, or enlightenment? Um, the, the way I personally think about it is that um, there is no single objective and, and unique way of experiencing it. Um, I think because it is an experience, everybody will have a different sensation of it. However, I can see how similar impressions happen in, in people's mind when it occurs. Um, the general idea of grasping an underlying reality, which wasn't visible before, I guess, could be one of them. Uh, but the nature of this reality can be multiple. It could, uh, for instance, be uh, an intellectual awakening, which is the realization that everything we observe and experience is just a construction of our brains, that nothing actually exists the way we see it with our eyes. Or it could be the idea of perceiving an overarching order and and pattern in in everything and being struck by its beauty and, and simplicity. But it could also be a, a more spiritual awakening, maybe the one more connected to, to the Buddhist approach, where you realize and understand how connected we are with everything else, the people, nature, the universe, and that nothing will remain unchanged. 
And so I believe that these moments can be triggered in numerous ways. Um, they can be triggered through focused contemplation and meditation efforts, but also through all sorts of physical events. Um, when I listen to people coming back from uh, near-death experiences, for instance, they, 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 the way they describe and, and the, the way they felt, how, how their perception on things have changed since then, I, I consider this being also a sort of enlightenment as it makes people grasp something big they, weren't, they never perceived before. And it seems that whatever the nature of the enlightenment, uh, there is always this idea of uncovering an invisible reality. And this reality doesn't lie outside, but very well inside our minds. And so to allow any sort of awakening, uh, it is necessary to lose ourselves in our own minds and not being afraid of it. I feel that we are increasingly afraid because we are always connected of, of being alone with ourselves and just focus on our thoughts. And so we have to evolve on our side as how we use technology to keep us entertained or connected. Like technology can't continuously absorb our attention. It also can't replace the work happening in our own minds. Uh, we have to learn to let it go from time to time and, and be confident in staying alone with our own mind again. Um, the other point is that uh, the principles and, and behaviors communicated throughout modern products, we have to evolve, I believe, to uh, allow for any kind of awakening the general mindset of a society is, is strongly influenced by the tools and, and technology used to, to communicate. I think it's important that these values, which are encompassed in, in these tools, are noble and, and bring the, the positive side of, of the human to the front. Uh, social networks, again, are a great example uh, nowadays. They, they are a great tool to help us uh, communicate. However, I feel that they also have a tendency uh, to contribute in creating an exaggeration of people's self-fascination. Um, it's like mm. a magic mirror reflecting an image you have control on. It's, it is a technology of the self in which, if it was a video game, for instance, you are the main character on which the world is, is going on. Yes. I think that one common value which contributes to any process of awakening is the idea of... Um, Transpersonality. A transpersonal experience is a state in which the sense of the self and identity vanishes and transcends the individual to encompass wider aspects of humankind like space, time, or, or the cosmos. However, it seems that the digital tools nowadays are actually doing the exact opposite and strengthen the idea of the self. I mean, we even have tons of numbers and metrics to weight the impact of ourselves. Like quantification is a real issue in current user experiences. We are constantly confronted with how many people have appreciated something, how many people are following other people. Like visible popularity online, like points in a game, create an approach where people compare themselves to each other, which is a great way of losing sight of what truly matters. And so what would it mean to have a transpersonal social network? Uh, is it a place where profile pictures don't exist, where names and identities are invisible, in which numbers and metrics have, have disappeared? I don't know, but it, in, it would have to be a place where the focus is not centered on the person, but on something larger. Um, if, if you imagine a game, what would it mean instead of, of being the hero of the adventure, trying to get the most points, to just be a dust particle among million others just randomly wandering in space. Like, 
instead of winning points and comparing yourself, what would it mean to have no clear goal at all? Maybe your only goal would be to figure out how to communicate with the other particles or to understand where you are in space and in what direction you're heading. What, what would it mean to adapt like this game concept to, to a social network? Uh, I have no idea, but, but maybe, maybe it, it would help connecting us back to, more, uh, to a more fundamental way of thinking about things rather than only sticking to, to what is easy to see. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's not, unfortunately not the mainstream approach right now. Uh, I feel it's something which starts to emerge. People start to get conscious that um, they have to, um, they, the people start to get tired, I feel, a little bit of, of this uh, exhaustion of, of information and, and, and to the, the nature of this information, to what it relates. Um, but it might just be an impression, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that will evolve in the future. Yeah, it's beautiful. No, I, uh, I, I share that impression that people are getting tired of, of the constant self-referencing and the, as you mentioned, the sort of the way that some technologies can actually increase self-absorption uh, as opposed to pointing us to something that transcends the self. Exactly. Um, so I love this, this, these questions like what would a transpersonal social network look like or what, it would, what would it be like to quantify selflessness? These are beautiful questions. Thanks for bringing them up and, and thanks for sharing your own thoughts on, on, on this, what's to us a really, really important uh, topic. It was really a pleasure to be part of this. <laughs> cool, thank you. Thank you very much. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.